What's good, everyone? Welcome to Note to Scene, a weekly podcast that discusses all the latest news in the scene and a retrospective deep dive on the nostalgia that we all grew up with. This week, we have news from A From First to Last and SoundCloud Rap Supergroup, a new song with Fall Out Boy and Craig Owens on it, a new Fit for a King song, and a deep dive on Juice World, SoundCloud Rap, and Emo's Fifth Wave. So let's get started. So a band called If I Die First have released their debut EP. So If I Die First is this new band that was formed by from first to last guitarist Travis Richter and a bunch of SoundCloud rappers. Lil Lotus is the lead vocalist and then Nerdarb, Zubin, and members of Ghostmane all round out the lineup. The entirety of the band is based around just being a throwback, screamo, emo band. That is its only purpose. It is just to bring back those vibes of the good old days in the mid-2000s. And at times, it really does feel like a band that would have formed in 2004 after listening to, you know, From First to Last Year Diary or Senses Fails Let It Unfold You. I mean, if you miss the good old days, this is exactly what you need. Another throwback band that I've talked about on the show before has been Static Dress. And if you know them and think they took you back, this EP will have you dropping everything you're doing and going to your parents' house to log on to MySpace for a couple hours. I mean, it, it is just everything that era encapsulated into about six songs. So it starts with actually a metalcore type intro that really doesn't sound reminiscent of that era at all, but it it is really fun when you put it in the entirety of the release. It's called No Serenity, and it's kind of reminiscent of Counterpart's Love Me off their last album. And then that gives way to about 15 minutes of just pure throwback screamo bangers. Where Needles and Lovers Collide was the lead single, and it just perfectly captures what this band is here to do. Fry screams and these driving verses give way to a massive chorus, just with those classic whiny emo cleans that we grew up with back in the day. And lyrically, I mean, it just talks about lost love and and growing up and the struggles that come along with just life in general. So, I mean, everything about this is 2004, and it's just so much fun to hear in 2020. Six Foot Dugout Holes is another highlight. That hook will get stuck in your head for days. And they end the EP with an acoustic song called I'll Never Let Them Hurt You. And again, it's reminiscent of From First to Last Emily, just in essence being an acoustic song on a release like this. So if you're looking for something new and groundbreaking, this ain't it. But if you miss the good old days and want a new band that does that sound that we grew up with justice, this is absolutely it. I always hated in like the 2010s when bands would say they sound like Chiodos, but actually sound like the last album that Alessana released in like 2015, or say they sound like Under Oath, but actually sound like a shitty version of Wage War. When this band says they're a throwback, they actually are. And they're great at what they do. I cannot wait to hear more from them. I'm at a 8.7 out of 10 on the EP. So moving on. So Fall Out Boy and Craig Owens are guests on a new 100 Gex remix of their song, Hand Crushed by a Mallet. There is absolutely so much to unpack about everything here in this story, let alone just 100 Gex in and of themselves. But... The band definitely deserves their own episode, their own deep dive, and I'll eventually give them one at some point, but the 
the TLDR of it is that they're a duo that makes basically deep fried EDM music, which is the 2020 way of saying they kind of sound like Broken Side with some actual melody in it. They've said in multiple interviews that they're influenced by everyone from Breathe Carolina and Icy Stars to Playboy Cardi and Cannibal Corpse. So they're all over the map. Their album, A Thousand Gex, is meta as hell and literally just in a completely different world. If you want something weird, I definitely recommend it. The best songs are Hand Crushed by a Mallet and Money Machine. But so they released an entire remix album of A Thousand Gex. And one of the remixes of Hand Crushed by a Mallet features Fall Out Boy, Craig Owens, and Nicole Dollinganger. When it first got announced early last week, I was just like, ugh, this is not what they need to be doing. I want 100 Gex to be massive pop stars, and this just is not the look right now for them to be doing. And I still do stand by that. This is just a weird look. But then the song dropped and I listened to it, and holy shit, it is just a complete fucking banger. It should really just say Patrick Stump as the feature instead of Fall Out Boy, because unless the rest of Fall Out Boy are playing the instrumentals on the track. He's the only one who has anything to do with it. But it starts with an intro melody from Patrick and then gives way to Craig. And oh my God, this is the best thing we've heard from Craig since Peak Chiodos in the late 2000s. He sounds better here than he does on the Drugs album from 2011. And I know I've gone at Craig a lot this year. We've had our back and forths, but most of what he does just pisses me off in general. So there's just so much wasted potential there. And this track proves he still has something to offer in a vocal performance. But as I've always said on the show, if an artist delivers on a song, I'll always put any of my personal differences aside and give them the credit they deserve. And damn it, Craig just fucking delivered here. That old school Craig anxiety and urgency he conveys through his voice on All's Well That Ends Well is on this song. And it's just so cool to hear that in 2020. If he was the only one on the song, it honestly would probably be even better. When the second verse hits and it basically turns into a post-hardcore song, I just completely lost my shit on first listen. But What's also crazy, and literally no one is talking about this, and I just find that completely bizarre, is the Fall Out Boy and Craig angle. Like, did everyone just forget about 2011? You know, when Pete Wentz signed and basically formed drugs for Craig, and then Craig slept with Ashley Simpson, who, yes, was Pete's wife at the time. Everyone just forgot about that and let this happen without saying anything. I mean, you people disappoint me every single day. This is a huge moment. Like, the crossover here is ridiculous. But anyway, this song is so much fun and definitely well worth your time if you want to hear Craig on an actual good song for the first time in almost a decade. I'm at an 8.5 out of 10 on the remix of Hand Crushed by a Mallet. Moving on, Fit for a King released a new song called God of Fire and announced their new album, The Path, will be released on September 18th via Solid State Records. God of Fire is the second single off the album and features Crystal Lake vocalist Ryo Kinoshita. It's got a heavy electronic element over like the signature Fit for a King, a heavy metalcore sound, which kind of makes it sound like Code Orange's latest album. 
meets Wage War. It's not a bad song. They definitely deliver on the sound for what it's worth. It's not just, it's just not very fulfilling. And I'm a much bigger fan of the lead single, Breaking the Mirror. Like, bring back more of that Kill Switch Engage ripoff sound. As far as I know, that song gave the band the first radio play of their career earlier this year. And I think it's still getting, we'll, we'll see on the rock radio rundown, but I believe it's still getting some spins on radio. But it's a shame how the pandemic and COVID-19 really derailed this rollout for this album and inevitably a lot of their cycle now. I'm at a 6 out of 10 on God of Fire. I'm hoping for much more on the rest of the album and honestly hoping they have some things fall in their lap because... This is the biggest fit for a king I've ever been. And to see this kind of all get, like I said, derailed, it, it's it's kind of defeating as a fan, and I'm, I'm sure as a band too. But moving on to the radio rundown this week. So we have some really cool stories here. And instead of rock radio, I'm going to start with alt radio right now because there is an insane story there, here that I am so, so excited about. And we've been talking about this week after week, and it's finally snowballing into something that is actually a story now. So all-time lows monsters featuring black bear has made it to number 12 on alt radio this is the highest up they have ever been on terrestrial radio in their entire career 2020 all-time low is peaking on radio right now i just want that to be put in front of everyone's mind and you just to mull that over because that is a massive massive moment and they're doing it in the middle of a fucking pandemic i was talking to johnny minardi who has worked with this band for a couple years now quite a few and he asked me if i had been watching the the climb up the chart and i'm like yeah i've been documenting it every week on the on the podcast and i always say with songs it's so easy for the bottom to just fall out but this one has just kept snowballing and snowballing. It's at 12 right now, and it is up 16% in plays from where it was at last week. That is a bigger increase than any song that's ahead of it all the way up to number one, which is still 21 Pilots' level of concern. I think it's been there for almost two months now, which is fucking insane, but that shows what a monster 21 Pilots are still are at, at alternative radio, even if they can't get any ground outside into, you know, top 40 and uh, beyond. But all-time low, Monsters featuring Black Bear at number 12. I think it's really safe to say that we can expect all-time low to have their first ever top 10 alt-radio song next week. And that is so fucking exciting. I did, I, I had no literal zero expectation of being this excited about all-time low in 2020, but it is so cool that they wrote a record which has grown on me even more since it's come out. I've revisited it so many times, and even deeper cuts on the album where I'm like, I really, really enjoy this. Like, it really does show the growth of the band, an opportunity for them to figure out how to grow up, and that's what we've talked about so much on the show in 2020 was how do these scene bands grow up, and all-time low is figuring it out, and it's fucking working for them. This is so, so, so cool to see, and it's so exciting as a fan who wants to see these bands succeed. So all-time low, number 12 at Alt Radio. The other huge cool story we have at radio this week is Asking Alexandria, Anti-Socialist, number three at Rock Radio. This is their biggest rock radio single of their career. It's up 3.2% in plays from last week. They're right behind Pretty Reckless's Death by Rock and Roll and Five Finger Death Punches a little bit off. It's looking like Pretty Reckless is going to get to number one next week. But 
Five Finger Death Punch is looking like it's going to drop pretty hard next week. So there's a good chance Asking might not get to number one, but they're going to get to number two. And if they can stay there and keep building up momentum and wait for the Pretty Reckless to fall, they could have their first ever number one at Rock Radio, which would be very, very cool to see. But moving further down Rock Radio, we have Motionless and White still at number 14, Another Life. It's up 0.9% in plays. It literally hasn't changed. Motionless and White cannot move from this spot. I believe it got, in the last couple weeks when I wasn't doing episodes, I believe it got up to number 12, but it cannot break the wall any further than that. And it is wild to see because I always talked about them and A Day to Remember in the same breath. And the A Day to Remember song has, the bottom has fallen out and it is completely off the charts. It's nowhere to be found. So if you go further down from 14, we got to go to number 33, which is Fame on Fire, Headspace, the band on Hopeless that I've talked about the last couple episodes of them being someone to watch because they kind of feel like an emo-y I prevail. And it's going to be really interesting to watch them see if they can climb the charts. They're still in the 30s, but they're up 23% in plays. So it's not like they're falling any. It's going to be interesting to see how far they can make it up and see what they can do with that momentum. Bring Me the Horizon, Parasite Eve. It was at 34 last week. It's at 35 this week. There's a lot to unpack about this song. I did it in a bonus episode. The audio is complete shit, and I'm working on getting it fixed, and hopefully I'll drop it sometime this week. But if you want it, let me know, and that'll motivate me more to get it fixed. But there's something wrong with this song, and it really feeds into the perpetuation of believing in the hype, believing in the moment of a song, and then understanding and realizing its actual potential long-term. And anyone who was really listening to that song could tell that that was not going to carry them. I Prevail have a new song on rock radio. They added it last week, Every Time You Leave. It's off their last album. They're at number 39 right now. Going to be interesting to watch. They're They've pretty much become top 10 rock radio mainstays, so we'll see how fast this one climbs. Bad Omens, added by Sumerian about two or three weeks ago. The song is Limits. It is at number 40 right now. It was at 43 last week, so we'll see if that can move anywhere. That's going to be interesting to watch. And then at the very bottom here, we have 21 Pilots' Level of Concern on rock radio at 48 it was at 48 last year it cannot gain on any plays on rock radio obviously the song was just not made for here okay that does it for this week's radio rundown moving on to our deep dive this week juice world soundcloud rap and the fifth wave of emo so juice world's posthumous album legends never die was released on friday juice died late last year on december 2nd from a seizure that was induced by acute oxycodone and codeine intoxication i don't want to say juice was part of the soundcloud rap wave but he was absolutely a product of it his breakout song lucid dreams peaked at number two on the hot 100 and not only put him on the industry's mainstream map but really showed his love for our world if you listen to that song and break it down and obviously there is huge eye roll here a lot of talk about the structure of the song and which riff steal from which riff i'm not even going to mention the band that's involved with that part of it but 
as soon as I first found Juice years ago and started doing the dive on him, I instantly uncovered connections to the scene and our world. His favorite album of all time was Escape the Fates Dying is Your Latest Fashion. In an episode of the YouTube series Hotbox where artists just smoke weed with a show host in a car and just listen to their favorite music, Juice puts on Escape the Fates Reverse This Curse and basically credits it with helping him create his entire sound. And then he talked about how he had just started texting with Ronnie Radke. He references Reverse the Curse in his song Robbery, where he raps, it was a gift and a curse, but I cannot reverse it. And in an interview with GQ just last summer, he was asked if he could work with any artist in the entire world, who would it be? And he said, buddy from Senses Fail. I mean, I, I need everyone to understand that Juice was a top 40 breakout mainstream success like he is the definition of a rising superstar in today's terms you know we talk about the scene and different levels of success now juice was in a completely different world he was in the upper echelon of top artists and he's saying out of any artist in the world he could work with he wants buddy from senses fail he went on to talk about early all-time low albums in that same interview too. And I've posted a video on Note to Scene socials of Juice singing Neck Deep's A Part of Me. Old school Neck Deep. That's off their first EP that they've dropped on fucking We Are Triumphant. He loved this world more than most of the people that are in it do. I absolutely cried the day that he died. I remember calling Matt later that day and talking about how he was the last of the emo SoundCloud rap era. I mean, it was that was the end. The day Juice died was the end of that era. Of course, you have the scene version of all that shit, but I'm talking about in a mainstream sense, even the artists that maybe were peripherally associated with it, your Trippy Reds, your Lil Yachty's, your Lil Uzi Vert's, They've really distanced themselves and just slid into their own lane or, you know, kind of in Lil Yachty's sense, slipped away in general. But Juice was our last one. We lost Lil Peep, XXXTentacion, and Juice World within almost three years of one another. And it was just the most sad and defeating thing to experience in real time. You want to be mad. I mean, I'm, I'm still pissed at the labels and management companies that perpetuate this new era of drug culture and then just fucking sell it to kids and it's literally killing the artists but so for those who don't know or aren't even aware there have been four quote-unquote official waves of emo so far and this is just kind of documenting the genre's history that's what these waves do and there's a lot of discussion obviously over which one's the best one and where one blends into another but this is the basically the tldr explanation of emo's waves so to me and everyone who's not a hipster piece of shit there are five waves now the first wave was in the 1980s with bands like rights of spring embrace despite what ian mckay had to say way back then dag nasty and kind of at the tail end of it drive like jehu the second wave came in the mid to late 90s with bands like Sunny Day Real Estate, The Promise Ring, American Football, etc. Then that gave way to Emo's third wave, which is the one that we're most familiar with, and that was in the 2000s with the genre hitting its commercial peak from about 2004 to 2007. Fourth wave Emo came in the 2010s with bands like The Hotelier, The World is a Beautiful Place, and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die, Foxing, and others who tried to kind of revitalize second wave Emo sound through a modern lens. 
fourth wave emo was basically kids who were scared to admit that they had a scene phase and listen to broken side in 2009 so they masked that insecurity in like bullshit twinkle riffs and got a couple good reviews on pitchfork i am so fucking glad that shit isn't quote-unquote cool anymore that whole scene just reeked of elitism and kids who would make fun of you for listening to like bless the fall but now the history books are at a bit of an impasse. So some people throw the emo SoundCloud rap era into the fourth wave, but for multiple reasons, I've considered it emo's official fifth wave for a few years now. It was the last time our world saw even distant commercial success since the mid 2000s. Lil Peep's favorite bands were Chiodos and Under Oath, and Post Malone played in a metalcore band in high school who covered Ask Alexandria, and then he tried out for Crown the Empire, and to this day he loves everything from A Day to Remember to Knocked Loose. Lil Uzi Vert is absolutely in love with Haley Williams and loves deathcore. He brought his crew out to a Faceless and Lorna Shore show a few years ago when they were all in the pit. We did a Juice World cover at XXL in the fall of 2019, and my boss was texting me, sending me videos of all the shit Juice was listening to while they were together for the cover story. He'd be vibing so hard to a Young Thug song, and then the next second, he'd be losing his shit to Not Good Enough for Truth and Cliche by Escape the Fate. He was just such a special kid, and I'm not even talking about his rapping ability, which so many people have called him the best freestyler of hip-hop's modern generation. I mean, you can look up freestyles on YouTube of him just going and going and going. There's one where he goes for an hour straight, and his bars don't get shitty. When you see those long-form freestyles, you can tell when people are kind of running out of words and struggling to get to the next bar everything just came so natural to him he had an endless flow and just understood melody like it was a natural trait he was going to change so much for our world just in the next few years i mean he had started performing with a full band in 2019 and was so excited about like the rock leaning songs that he was writing one of my favorites he made is on the new album. It's called Man of the Year, and that song is just truly modern pop punk. I mean, there's not really, it doesn't really resemble a specific band or anything of modern pop punk, but it's a different approach, and that, to me, is modern pop punk. His song Come and Go with Marshmallow takes a simple riff and just chops it up through like an arena EDM lens, and it's backed by an easily top five pre-chorus of 2020, and I know we're only halfway through the year, but it's that fucking good. Up Up and Away is another great experimental pop-hop track. Bad Energy has this kick-ass emo melody in the hook. Wishing Well is carried by a nostalgic emo riff. I mean, emo covered and was a part of everything that Juice did. The album is a very emotional listen, but even if you weren't a fan before, I definitely encourage you to give it a try. There are a lot of different elements on there, and you never know what you might find. Early forecasts for it are putting it between 400 and 440,000 total units first week, which would make it by far the biggest first week of 2020. It's just so sad that he was going to be even so much bigger than this. We miss you so much, Juice. Rest in peace. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any requests for deep dives, email me at notetoseen at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Note to Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please drop a review on iTunes. I'd very much appreciate it. Until next week, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.